Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here, Christ the King. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. To all those of you at home or watching from a coffee shop or your workplace, uh, get your work done, but we're glad you're watching. And uh, to those of you in the room, I'm so glad that you're here. I want to thank Tyler and Randy. So as of yesterday, uh, half the band got sick. So they called in replacements, and the replacements got sick too. And so two brave guys just said, let's just go for it and lead worship. And I think we should say thank you to them because they worked really hard. Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know, right? And then you find something out and you go, oh, wow, I really appreciate the work that went into that. Some of you may have seen this news story. It's been circulating on the news feeds over the last couple of weeks. Let me show you a picture. And uh, some of you will go, I heard about that. And some of you go, I did not hear about that. Let me read the new story. A bull elk in Colorado is finally free of a rubber tire that's been stuck around the animal's neck for two years. On Saturday, officers from the Colorado Parks and Wildlife removed the hefty accessory along with the elk's antlers. I want you to think about that for just a second. This elk spent two years with this rubber impediment, this weight, this unnecessary burden wrapped around its neck. For two years, people tried to intervene and help, and yet because of fear, the elk kept the tire. Instead of embracing an opportunity for freedom, the elk ran away, and isn't that often how we respond to the new names that Jesus offers? We just stick with the old. Because of fear and familiarity, we just never embrace this new freedom that Jesus offers. So far in the series, we've had the opportunity to lay down the old names, and I have read through the stacks, and my heart goes out to so many people who've written down liar, unloved, alone, broken, unworthy, guilty. And that's why we're doing the series. We want to lay that down and we want to pick up so far new creation, overcomer, beloved, and this week, ambassadors of reconciliation. This one's a tough one because for some of us, we're like, yeah, I want to be a part of a reconciliation process. And others are like, I'm not sure because that actually causes me to have to do something. The Bible says this, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. I love this next line, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Let me echo the words of Scripture again. Be reconciled to God. That's where it starts. This ministry of reconciliation is grounded in the truth that as followers of Jesus, our hearts are supposed to be hardwired to love and open the door of opportunity for other people to be reconciled to God in the same way that we have been reconciled. There's a specific order to this high calling. In order to embrace this name, ambassadors of reconciliation, we must be reconciled to God, reconciled to self, and reconciled to others. In that order. Let me say it again. Reconciled to God, reconciled to self, and reconciled to others. Before I jump to an Old Testament story, let's just stay right here for just a moment. 
God has called you to be reconciled to him. God wants our relationship, which has been broken and shattered by sin, to actually be reconciled. Reconciliation with God happens when we confess our sin, repent our sin, and then receive the forgiveness of sin through the grace and mercy of Jesus. God the Father gave his son so that that could be possible. God wants to be reconciled to you. No matter what you've done, no matter how you disqualify yourself, God wants to be reconciled to you in about three or four weeks we're going to be baptizing another group of people they want to go public with the fact that God has been reconciled to them reconciliation with God leads to an opportunity to be reconciled to to self and and we talked about this challenge last week of, of loving ourselves as God loves us my email box has been very full of people talking about the fact this is a challenge this is not easy we struggled with the name beloved because it just seemed a little sickly sweet and, and then we opened our hearts in the simplest form because God just showed up and said, could you be loved? Could you be loved? That's hard work. That's hard spiritual work, but it brings us into alignment with the Holy Spirit's work in and through us. We're reconciled to God and then we're reconciled to a self that has been reconciled to God. And then finally, God calls us to be reconciled to others. And here we go. We're called to be ambassadors or representatives of reconciliation. I want to make sure we get this primarily between God and people. I'll say it again because it matters. God put this in a particular order. Reconciliation with God, self, and others. Most people like to start at the bottom and work their way to the top. And let's make sure that you understand this. There are calls for reconciliation in so many areas of our broken world right now. And they are all so important. But this is my conviction. Without knowing Jesus and without being confident of who you are in Jesus, all attempts at cultural reconciliation will fall short. Now, some people will say, Grant, you are being overly simplistic. I say, I'm trying to be beautifully biblical. The only answer to racial reconciliation, family reconciliation, historical reconciliation, personal reconciliation. The only answer is Jesus. If we don't start with personal reconciliation with God, we're trying to build a house with the roof first. It doesn't work. We have to start at the foundation and work our way up from there. Let me share with you an example from the Old Testament of this powerful testimony of reconciliation. Jacob had 12 boys. And Jacob made a mistake that a lot of parents make. He played favorites. Parents don't ever do that. It will not go well for you. Jacob had 12 boys. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Try saying that five times really, really fast. We're going to focus on son number 11. I don't even have enough fingers. Joseph. You see, Joseph's dad thinks Joseph is special. So if you've heard the Old Testament story, he gives him a coat of many colors. Here was the problem. All the other boys got underwear. That's my translation, okay? And the boys are angry and jealous. And Joseph doesn't help his cause because he keeps showing up saying, Guys, bros, I keep having these dreams. They're really crazy. All of you one day are going to fall down and worship me. <laughs> that is not helpful in a family dynamic. I'm just telling you. 
One day the boys see Joseph in an opportunity. So I will collapse about seven chapters of scripture. They toss him in a hole, sell him into slavery, ship him off to Egypt and tell their dad he died in a tragic accident. Tough deal. Joseph arrives in Egypt, makes the most of a tough situation, actually ends up working for an Egyptian land baron. And then life goes really sideways. A false sexual assault accusation from the boss's wife ends Joseph in prison for 11 years. Not 11 days, not 11 weeks, not 11 months, 11 years. And Joseph stays faithful. Even in prison. Present with God in the pain of his reality. And yet he's absolutely ready. You see, Joseph has this interesting gift that God gave him. He can interpret dreams. And when God, uh, the God of the universe, gives the Pharaoh of Egypt some insomnia and some very troubling dreams, Joseph finds himself face to face in front of the most powerful man in the known world. Long story short, Joseph interprets the dreams and ends up as the second most powerful man in the known world. And if you read the story, you can actually find very specific moments when Joseph was reconciled to God, to himself, and his broken story, and then others. Let me point them out to you. Joseph's reconciled to God, and the record of it shows up in Genesis 39, 21. The Bible says, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness. And granted him favor in the eyes of the warden. Not many of us would choose that kind of reconciliation or situation. But Joseph finds God in the middle of all of these challenges. Then we find a moment when he's reconciled to self. Genesis 41. Joseph makes peace with his life. And we find it, amazingly, in the naming of his second son. The Bible says the second son, Joseph named Ephraim. And he said, it's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Joseph makes peace with himself and his story. And now with those two pieces of this process of reconciliation in place, we're going to see Joseph be reconciled to others, to his own family. The very brothers who sold him into slavery. You're going to find Joseph being reconciled to others. Genesis chapter 45. Let me just encapsulate a bunch of scripture for you. Joseph is working away in the palace. And one day a guard comes and knocks on the door and says, Excuse me, Mr. Vice President, there are 10 Hebrew brothers here looking for food. There's a famine in their homeland and they need help. And, and Joseph looks up and there they are standing right in front of him. The ones who made his life a living hell for a season. The ones who sold him out. The ones who rejected him. The ones who abandoned him. The one who stole years from his family. The ones who added to his pain. And to make the story even more tension filled, they don't recognize their brother. Joseph doesn't react right away. And if you want to read the whole story, it's so good. Genesis 42, 43, and 44. But we're going to jump ahead to that moment when the big reveal happens. 
And as we jump ahead, don't lose this obvious fact. Because of Joseph's new position, he has all of the power and all of the authority. All he had to do was snap his fingers and they're all dead. He could have taken vengeance. He could have enslaved them. He could have imprisoned them. He could have taken their lives. But he doesn't. And what he doesn't do, and in what he does do, we find a model of reconciliation. I'm going to read this moment, but don't lose all the backstory and don't forget. This moment has been years, a lifetime in the making. The Bible says that Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly, the Egyptians heard him, and, the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. You didn't send me here, boys. God did. And now we're going to have a moment of reconciliation if you choose to participate. Let's stop before we dive right into this. Many of you, many of you have had moments in your life filled with pain and hurt and rejection and abandonment and you've had to live with pain for a lot of years. God brought you here. On the other hand, there are people in this room who would honestly say, Grant, I, I didn't get hurt, I did the hurting. And I have to live with that. God brought you here. So let's walk through it together. This whole journey with Joseph begins with the right attitude. And the attitude simply says this, I'm open to God healing my broken relationships. I don't want to wear a tire around my neck for one more day. I'm going to stop. I'm going to let God do whatever kind of surgical procedure he needs to do with my soul today I want God to help restore and heal and I'm going to do my part to bring about godly reconciliation because this is my situation today I've been reconciled to God I've done deep work within myself to embrace my own reality as the beloved of God and now with some wisdom healthy boundaries and a trembling heart I'm going to be open to God reconciling a relationship that truthfully I gave up on a long time ago you know, I wish I didn't have to say this, but I think it's so important. Some of you in this room have walked through horrific abuse 
victimization, relational trauma. And the truth is, reconciliation can't always happen in every single situation. Sometimes it would be unwise to have any connection with certain people in your life. And that's why being reconciled to God and yourself are the pre-steps to this moment. That's why having a counselor or a therapist or someone who can walk you through the wisdom of where you're supposed to put these boundary markers, it's so unbelievably essential. This is not for the faint of heart and it's not a one-size-fits-all. Use wisdom. But in this case, in this case, Joseph's ready. He's done some really hard work. Like he's been preparing for this moment his whole life. Joseph knows something. My friend Scott wrote this to me last night after the service. I wanted to include it. Joseph knows this. Not all, for, not all forgiveness ends in reconciliation, but all reconciliation begins with forgiveness. That's true, isn't it? And he has that attitude. I want to take this step with the right attitude. He finds the right opportunity and he boldly risks for the sake of reconciliation. What was he risking in this moment? I'll tell you what he was risking. More rejection, more hurt, more disappointment. The brothers could have said, forget it, man. We're out. We are not being a part of this. And that fear of the fact that it may not go the way we've planned it often will keep us from even attempting reconciliation. Because sometimes what holds us back is we're scared. Sometimes we're conflict avoidant like me. And I'll tell you what, if I can avoid a conflict, I'm going to. But let's be real. Sometimes the reason we don't do it is because we're just plain lazy. We don't want to deal with the pain. So you know what we end up doing? We wear the tire. (laughs) We keep running and the hurt never, ever, ever goes away. This next point is so important. Joseph waits for the right timing. If you read this story, Joseph actually doesn't take the first opportunity when he's face-to-face with his brothers to reveal his identity. In fact, they, they go away, they come back, they go away, they come back. I look at it this way. I think Joseph is going through a season of, of testing and discernment. He knows he's ready to take this step. He doesn't know if his brothers are ready. So he takes his time. I'm sure he was praying deeply and he waits for the right moment. When we enter into reconciliation or those moments together, we have got to soak it, saturate it, marinate it in prayer. We have to pray for wisdom, sensitivity, knowledge, and discernment. Those are all key pieces of reconciliation. But we also need to be reminded, God so desperately wants this for his children. That's why he named us proactively ambassadors of reconciliation. God loves when people with differences come together in his name. And at the right time, Joseph reveals that identity and he does it to the right circle. I love what Joseph doesn't do. Joseph doesn't grab 15 friends to process his pain and give prayer requests and call it a prayer circle. That's fancy language and excuses for gossip. No, Joseph doesn't do that. He doesn't ally his circle. Hey, my Egyptian family, come close to me. Let me tell you just how bad my brothers have been. Let me tell you how right I am. No, actually, in this moment of revelation, Joseph actually clears the room of everyone except for the people who heard him. Boy, that's risky. 
This is not condemnation by committee. No, it's just like, I, I, need, to, I need to speak to my brothers face to face. Why is that important? I didn't put it in your outline. I should have. The circle of reconciliation should always match the circle of offense. Boy, we get that wrong. I got hurt, so I need 27 witnesses to listen to my side of the story before I ever talk to the person on the other side. Let me say that again. The circle of reconciliation should match the circle of offense. It's just Joseph and his family. It's the right group. Let me use this moment as an infomercial. You need to get in a small group now more than ever. And we have opportunity. It's all at infoga.ctk.church. And let me tell you why. It's because all of this works best in community. Not the confrontation, but the work of reconciliation. In that circle, outpours the right emotion. The Bible says, and he wept, meaning Joseph, so loudly the Egyptians heard him outside. Can you think of that? Years of pent-up grief and frustration and loss and loneliness and pain come pouring out into the right circle and for the right reason. Why do you think God put that in Scripture? Let me tell you why I think it's there. It's because we are masters at hiding our own emotion. We have this, this, this rod of steel that runs right through our soul against true and honest feelings. And then we wonder, why, why is my heart so cold? Can I say this from one emotional person to you personally? Some of you need to have a really good cry. You need to weep and wail and let stuff run down your face because what's happened is this. You've put a crust around your heart because you can't even fathom the idea that God may want to break in and bring you back together with somebody who hurts you. The right emotion is followed by the right appeal. Look at what Joseph says. Come close to me. Ooh, that's risky. Come close to me. Yes, I'm the one that you intentionally harmed. I'm the one who spent years in prison because of your actions, but the reality is we've both been in prison, the prison of pain and regret for far too long. So today, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna draw near to the heart of God. I'm gonna be his ambassador, his representative. I'm gonna do my part to heal the relationship and I'm gonna invite you to step a little closer even though you're really, really, really scared. I'm not going to let my pride get in the way. I actually want to see God put the pieces back together and I can't do it alone and I can't dictate your response. But as far as it depends on me, I'm going to try and live at peace with everyone. That is a beautiful scripture from the New Testament. And I want to point something out to you. The Bible says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It does not say as far as it depends on them. Can I get one amen from somebody? It doesn't say as far as it depends on them, live at peace with everyone. It said no, as far as it depends on you. Why? Because you have been named as an ambassador of reconciliation. I'm sure the brothers are freaked out. <laughs> Who is this guy? Is that really our little brother? And I'm sure the anxiety begins to build. You know, I've noticed something because I've had to do this a few times, both as the offended and the offender. 
Reconciliation always brings about anxiety because you've got to go back through old pain. It'll make your heart pound. It'll make your pulse rate go up. Joseph sees this. His brothers are freaked out and he immediately introduces the right comfort. He says these words, do not be distressed. That's a clarifying statement. Here's what he's communicating. I'm not here for revenge. (laughs) I'm not even here for myself. I'm here to see God glorified. Because what I know is this, only forgiveness is gonna bring this relationship back together again. So bros, I need you to do this. Just take a big deep breath. Just keep breathing. We're gonna be okay if we do this God's way. What allows Joseph to bring that into the situation is actually the fact that he has the right perspective. And here's the right perspective. Joseph chooses to see God in every piece of his story. See, Joseph knows God's always been with me. Even when I was in prison, God was with me. God was with me when they threw me in the pit. God was with me when they chained me and put me in slavery. God was with me when I was falsely accused by my boss's wife. God was with me in prison. God was with me when I had to interpret dreams. God was there and he's still calling me to do the same work and freedom. God was with him and he acknowledges the presence with this this statement. He says, God sent me ahead of you. God sent me here so that we could be in this moment. God brought you to this moment. Whether you're the offender or the offended, he brought you to this moment. Can you see him in your story? Joseph knows God's been in this what looked like a train wreck. God's been in this since the very beginning. He just had to look and see. Can I challenge you with this? God is right here, right now, calling you to be reconciled with someone. The question is whether or not you'll step closer or step away. When we acknowledge God in every single moment, it just opens the door for the possibility of the right result. I love Genesis 50 verse 20. It's kind of the summary of the entire Joseph story. Joseph is down the road now a little ways on the path of reconciliation and and this is what he ends up saying to his brothers again. You intended to harm me. That was just true. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Let me read that again. You intended to harm me. That's true. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And he's not just talking about physically being saved from hunger. He's talking about relationally being saved so they could be in relationship one more time. Boy, this is hard stuff. You know why it's hard stuff? Because this is not a one-size-fits-all. I know there, there are many of you in the room that are just like, you know, playing the game of Yabbit. Have you ever played Yabbit? <laughs> yeah, but Grant, you have no idea what they did to me. I don't. But nonetheless, God is calling you by name. Hey, ambassador, we've got some work to do. 
Yeah, but Grant, you have no idea what I did. You have no idea what I did. I, yeah, I don't. But nonetheless, the God of the universe is holding out a name tag that says representative of reconciliation. Will you take it or not? I think one of the areas that, that, that pushes us back on our heels and makes us so hesitant to receive this name is this key truth. I put it in your outline. You're called to the ministry of reconciliation and you're not responsible for the response. You're just called to do your part. How it plays out from that, <laughs> that's on God and God's okay handling that situation. As a pastor, I actually get a front row seat on reconciliation. It's one of the favorite parts of my job. I love it. One of my favorite stories of reconciliation happened here in one of the first Christmas Eves that I had the privilege of being a part of the pastoral staff here at CTK. My family was actually a part of the Christmas Eve service. And, and as part of that service, we challenged people on Christmas Eve with this simple thought. God the Father gave his son at Christmas so that you could be reconciled to him. Today's the day to be reconciled to at least one other person. And one of the people in that Christmas Eve service actually did it. <laughs> I call him my, my adopted papa. His name is Smokey. <laughs> at least that's what we call him, Smokey Andro. And over time, we heard how the story worked out. Papa Smokey actually um, went home on that Christmas Eve and called his son John, who had, he had been estranged from, and over time, a reconciliation happened in his family. John ended up moving here, and he became a very large part of our CTK family, and when John arrived, I met him in a wheelchair, and, and then because of a miracle of prosthetics, I was actually privileged to see John walk into church for the very first time. It was incredible. You know who was walking with him? His mom and dad. Because they were reconciled. Because Smokey and Dee took a risk of reconciliation and I got to see them week after week come and sit in church together and, and it was beautiful in every single way. But somebody had to take the first step. So we're gonna do that right now. We're gonna do a relational gut check. Let me ask you a question. Where and with whom do you need to seek reconciliation today? Yeah, but Grant, you did. As far as it depends on you, where and with whom do you need to seek reconciliation today? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take about the next three to four minutes and I'm gonna lead you through a prayer exercise that I hope and pray will lead to some reconciliation in our church family. So would you pray with me right now? God, I wanna pray for everyone in the room who knows exactly what it feels like to be hurt or wounded or betrayed, rejected, victimized. And for them right now, God, I pray that you would give them both wisdom and courage. Lord, I pray that you would soften crusty hearts 
And Lord, I also pray that whether we are the offended or the offender, that you would give us a a strong determination in our soul to see this through. God, would you walk with us for the next few moments on this path of reconciliation? With every head bowed and every eye closed, just so we can focus. I want you to take a few moments and just reflect on the relationships in your lives and answer this simple question. Is there someone that you need to seek reconciliation with? If the answer is yes, could could you get really specific with God right now and just ask him, God, would you reconcile me with my dad? God, would you reconcile me with my mother, my, my friend, my son, my daughter, my coworker, my boss, my employee, my neighbor? And as you're being very specific, would you add to that just a willingness? Would you say, God, I'm, I, I'm willing to play my part to see this relationship here? Just let that sink in for a moment. God, this is what I desire. And now I'm telling you, as my God, my Savior, my King, I'm willing to play my part. As we continue to pray, there's probably a level of fear setting in because the truth is you're gonna need to take a step. Maybe you need to go home and make a phone call or write a note or a letter. Maybe you need to show up on somebody's doorstep and have a conversation. Push back against the fear with this truth. God gave his son on a cross to be reconciled to you. And now he's asking us to be his representatives in a world that's so crippled with brokenness and hatred division if you're sensing right now kind of a genuine hesitation not not just resistance but genuine hesitation that may mean you need to go back and do a little bit more work on being reconciled to who God says you are but don't take a pass altogether And right now, I'm just gonna ask you, what decision do you need to make right now? What promise do you need to make before God as you're discerning this to the best of your ability? What do you need to do? Take a moment and actually make a decision and then bring it before God and say, God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna move beyond good intentions. This is the step I will take so that I can be reconciled with the person that you're calling me to make this attempt with. Have that conversation with Jesus right now. Heavenly Father, I wanna pray for every person, whether at home or in this room, who's listening right now,
And God, I want to pray over every hurt, every burden, all of the anger, all of the confusion, the question marks, the pain. And God, I'm asking, would you, would you wash all of that away? Would you bring about reconciliation between fathers and sons, brothers and sisters, neighbor and neighbor? God, you've given us this name. May, may we receive it today. And then may we live to it. Because you are reconciled with us. And now we want to follow your example. God, I pray wisdom, courage, strength, discernment to know how to follow this path. God, I know that you are more than able to walk us through. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, if you need prayer on this journey, it's just a grant. I'm just flat out scared to do this. <laughs> you can fill out a prayer request at prayer.ctk.church and we've got an army of people that would love to pray for you this week. So there we go. We're not gonna sing a song. We're just gonna go about our Father's business. You have been named ambassadors of reconciliation. Live to the name Jesus gives you this week. God bless you. I'll see you in about six 